Are you unable to concentrate on the tasks at hand? Do you need help focusing more or leveling up your game? Here's a tip. Try Cognizant Citicoline, clinically studied to support mental energy, focus, memory, and attention. Cognizant supports brain health and supplies the brain with the energy it needs to stay sharp. Cognizant is a leading nootropic featured in over 200 products. This podcast is powered by Cognizant. Visit Cognizant.com to learn more and find a product to help you fuel your day. Ready to achieve great heights? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Power Your Performance, the podcast where we dive deep with leaders in the gaming world and beyond and learn the techniques they use to power their lives. I am your host, Gary Kleinman. Power Your Performance, powered by Cognizant. Welcomes Abby Gordon and Sue Kleiner. Welcome. Thank you so much, Gary. It's great to be here. Abby, welcome as a, as a newbie. Sue has been here before. I actually thought you were going to be the first second guest, but you were beat yesterday by somebody else that snuck in to be my first second guest. So it's a it's a thrill to have you back. For those that are listening, Abby is a uh, PT, and is it Seattle's Children's Hospital? Or what are they? What's the formal name? Yep, Seattle Children's Hospital. There you go. That's a good guess. And also is on the staff and works with uh, the WNBA Seattle Storm. And Dr. Sue is a world-renowned peak performance expert, which covers so many different things as we have in the past. And it's, it's great to have both of you back and to talk really about kids and health and wellness because in the gaming world and even outside of the gaming world, kids are at screens earlier and longer than ever before and it'd be nice to give the kids and their gatekeepers parents some information of how to keep them healthy and well not only during their formative years but as a foundation for much later so abby before we get into uh children's hospital and the storm what was your first recollection of saying, I want to be in health and wellness? Oh, so many. I grew up in Connecticut and I was a women's basketball fan. University of Connecticut is the best that there is and grew up watching that. And then I just wanted to work in that space as well. And so, so the, I guess then it's in Connecticut. At, did you go to the university there as well? Yeah, well I you, did. You did? Yeah, I was a team manager for UConn women's basketball as an undergraduate in college where I studied exercise physiology. And then I worked for the WNBA before going back to PT school to study physical therapy. And now I'm eight years into being a physical therapist. And was it, and obviously always in the realm of sport. And when was it that you said, okay, I will focus a good portion of that to pediatrics or, or youth? So when I came out of PT school, my first job was at a clinic with the athletic trainer for the Seattle Storm. And the newbie always gets the nights and weekends, which is also ironically when the high school athletes are coming in because they don't want to miss practice or school. And then I really enjoyed that patient population. And so when Seattle Children's had an opening, I migrated over to there. I've been there for a little over five years. And my patient population is split between teenagers with chronic pain 
um, or chronic illness and also kids post injury. And that could be anything from sports to marching band to any of the activities. We get a lot of mixed martial arts. We get horseback riders just based on my location outside the city. So variety of physical activities. It's a really fun mix. And of those kids, what is the percentage of them that game? Probably more than a quarter of them. A lot of the athletes like to use it as their downtime. So even the kids playing football are playing Madden on the side. Or And then there's other kids who are now saying, when you ask them, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? Some of them say, I aspire to be a gamer. I aspire to be a YouTuber. I aspire to have viral TikTok videos. One of my kids came in this week and he said, my, my TikTok video had 10,000 views. How does, how does that happen? Which is great. And, and, and Sue, as you see this from a peak performance perspective, how do you address how young kids are and aspiring now to be in a field that really is fraught with, with a lot of physical and emotional and psychological uh, stress? Yeah, you know, Gary, it's it's so interesting how times have shifted um, even with parents because they see now the financial opportunity for their children online, right? It's like when I, I when I started, you know, close to 40 years ago, I'd get dads who would call and say, you know, can I give my short son growth hormone? So that he's a, he's really good at quarterback, but he's way too short and he'll never make it in the NFL. How can we make him grow taller? You know, and of course <laughs> you can't do that, but, but to, you know, and, and a decade ago, no, I don't think there was a parent that would have said, it's okay for you to play online instead of play outside, right? But today, parents actually see the opportunity for their children. And um, my concern over that is, number one, the opportunities aren't that much greater for them to be hugely successful uh, than they are for them to be a pro athlete in the real world, right? right? So, so we um, we overestimate the opportunity and we underestimate the 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 risk. Um, even for those children who will make it, they still need if they're going to sustain the. Oh yeah, and that's the, my question. Their how, lives, how, how... right? They don't assess the risk, and uh, and I, I and you're pro- I probably shouldn't be saying this, but there, but I'm sure there are parents that are saying, you know, that's a better risk for my kid growing up gaming and being too close to a screen or uh, having inflammation issues and what have you, uh, than pushing them as they would if they were large enough to play football and say, no, you got to lift more weights and you got to run faster. So the it, it seems to me the the pressures are probably no different. And um, I think the boundaries in gaming are, are, are shifting because you can get a four-year academic scholarship, right? And, and big, right. I mean, I mean, in large schools, in D1 schools, you can get a four-year academic scholarship. Um, and, and so how do you make the parents aware or give them tools, and you can both answer this because I, I can see Abby smile, like everything else to strike a balance, but to do it in a healthy way. 
I spend half of my patient sessions talking to parents, I feel like. So I'll start with asking the parents which part of their gaming life is impacting family life first and then going on to other things like their pain. Some parents are just like, they don't interact with their siblings. They don't interact with other kids at school, but they've found a community in gaming. And I think that what we've seen with the pandemic has been so much isolation that if these kids are finding peers that they can share their stresses with, share their experiences with, they're hopefully going to be in positive community environments. And obviously, I don't know how well these uh, environments are being monitored, which is when parents probably need to be involved, depending on the age of the kids. But for your high school age teenagers, if they're communicating with other teens that have similar interests, this is how athletes that are on a field or a court find their teammates and how they decide to where, where they go to college. I think that we're going to see potential benefits in community. And I usually start there and I, I, I practice from a pretty holistic uh, approach. So if a parent is saying, I just want them to have better posture, I'm like, well, do you, you're, first of all, we know that posture doesn't directly create pain. There's lots of research saying that the only bad posture is the one you're stuck in and can't get out of. So just moving at all is probably enough. But also, are you as a parent mirroring the same behavior you want your kid to do? Because usually they're sitting on their phones watching the kid doing the PT right. session too. So I, sometimes the parent says it to me in the session, like sit up, sit up, sit up. And then I'm like, hey, kid, look at your parent. Like they're doing the same, like they're not in pain. We need to just get you out of pain and get you into new postures. And it's not about one specific one. That's the problem. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you brought up the community aspect of gaming, the social aspect, albeit it's different than when we, the three of us grew up. There was not an online social atmosphere at all. I didn't want to be online. I wanted to be outside. But a couple of years back, I was uh, working with a private school in L.A., and I said to them, this has got to be three, four years ago, you need some kind of intramural gaming program. And they were incredibly resistant, right? The, the traditional gaming is awful. It's antisocial. It's terrible behavior. You know, all the things that go with it. Okay, fine, whatever. And four months later, the headmaster called me and said, I owe you an apology. And I said, why is that? She said, Fortnite changed the bullying on campus because the kids that were being bullied on campus when they started playing online with some of the cooler kids on Fortnite, when they got to campus shortly thereafter, they were accepted because they played well. And she said she never would have believed that Fortnite would have reduced bullying because it became something to include the outliers, which was just a fascinating. And then they went ahead and built an esports intramural program and then got involved in the private school esports programs in Southern California. And I found it, you know, fascinating uh, that at least parents are now understanding that there is a value to the socialization. But how do you deal with the physical aspect of extended gaming sessions and, and eye strain and all the things that young people, and I deal with it in, in our world, that they think they are impenetrable, right? They, they're, they're young enough and they don't feel the pain that they actually feel. So how, how do you even broach the subject from both of you? How do you broach the subject 
directly with the kid if you're, you're, you can have that conversation, and to the parents so that they build solid foundations. So I have a, you know, like Abby, my, my view of the world is quite holistic. And so rather than focusing in on you're spending too much time gaming, you're spending too much time sitting still, I'm looking at the lifetime of this child as a human and, and, and how, how does our point of view in any aspect of our lives affect the choices that we make. And I, you know, I am always guiding or coaching my clients, regardless of whether they're an Olympian or a, a youth athlete at any level in any sport, including esport, is to find the joy in the choice that they make that is also with a recognition of current and future health and so um or 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 current and future journey wherever you're going and inclusive with that is moving your your whole body <laughs> not just your wrists and your eyeballs and so uh, so it's not that I'm taking you away from from what you're doing, but we but you by moving your whole body by getting up and moving around, you will increase and enhance mental focus. You will increase and enhance mental energy and resilience and your ability to sit still longer and maintain that that singular focus if you get up and you move around. And so um, in addition, you cope, you know, your coping skills for stress and anxiety improve, you know, uh, cognitive performance is enhanced. And that's before we ever get to nutrition. And, and you know, it's always so funny because I, yes, I am a, a card carrying nutritionist. This is what my expertise is, but, but it is harder to get people to change how they eat. Um, well, I was going to ask that. I'm going to get. I'm going to get to nutrition very, very specifically. Yeah, but from... but it's movement to start with because it's through movement that you start to get motivated to make other changes because your brain is different and your sense of self-efficacy or I can do something that I never thought I would do. It is enhanced because moving is the thing physically moving is the thing that most people think they're not going to ever do. And so once they do that through, um, there's a book called The Joy Choice by Dr. Michelle Seeger. And I encourage everybody, no matter who you are, a therapist, counselor, athlete, parent, podcaster, everybody should should read this book because it, it is very much about not just deciding to change, but how do you sustain that change? It's the thing we struggle with, with everybody. And, and it is called the joy choice. And it's the words I've always used. And it's wonderful to see her. I'm not, she didn't take anything from me. She's done the research. For me, it was just somewhat intuitive and experience. Anyway, yes, it is, it is helping guide both parents and, and the gamer, the youth 
themselves to to see it this is not a punishment or a restriction away from what they're doing this is part of their you know enhancement training for the gaming as well as everything else in their lives for the rest of their lives and i think at this point already you know better than i do the really successful like multi-million dollar gamers are taking their physical health more seriously starting to uh they're, starting they're, to, yeah right. they're, they're certainly starting to uh, because as they age which is you know kind of a strange phrase when they're 23 but um they're they're, they're certainly not old but they are aging and they're and they're feeling it um and they're feeling uh, not only the demands of gaming but the demands of being a gaming celebrity or influencer so they've got to do media right and they're traveling and they're 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 doing international travel and all that does have demands on you in addition to as you know abby knows when the team travels the travel is almost as difficult as the practice right because it's wearing in time changes and and these days cancel flight delays flights and and all the things that you go with so yeah their entire world has changed from that perspective and um, they're they're just really on the the cusp of trying to have a protocol to manage it. It it really hasn't been, and I think one of the things that also has to change is the sponsors and the sponsorships in the space not being just Doritos, right, and not being Red Bulls, and not being what are those typical gaming CPG brands that are not very healthy. And gamers have grown up on it, so you know, they're taking a lot of energy drinks with sugar. And they're now there's there is a conversation. I think the biggest positive impact that I see in that space is at the collegiate level, because colleges do have nutrition programs. They they have uh, physical well being programs baked into the school, and the esports teams. Are, follow, are forced to follow those. And, and I think that's beneficial. But I don't, I don't see it in, in, in the high schools, and I don't see it in the local land centers that pop up everywhere where kids are going to game for two, three hours in the afternoon after school, and they're there doing tournaments and what have you on weekends. I don't see it there at all. And, and I think it, it, it certainly uh, needs to be. Abby, what, is there a common thread to the injuries that you, you see, whether it's chronic pain or injuries? Yeah, I mostly see head and neck headaches, neck pain, upper back pain between the shoulder blades, and occasionally low back. It's not as much the low back. I think probably because when kids experience that, they just change where they're sitting. Right. Um, versus some of the other stuff, no matter where they're playing, it kind of persists. And also, I think it also carries over into what starts to impact, are they able to go to school and are they able to concentrate and do their homework? Because the kids that I'm seeing still have to go to school. They still have to get good grades. The families are still paying attention to making sure they're getting those tasks done. So if they're able to game, but they're not able to do their homework because of pain, I don't blame the gaming on the pain. I just 
incorporate in just like Dr. Kleiner said about adding stuff in. I don't like to take things away from anyone. So when they say, oh, the doctor said I have to stop playing video games. I say, okay, let's, let's see if we can structure this in. Like, when do you do your homework? When do you do your gaming? Where can we fit movement practice in there? And I also encourage my patients to choose their own exercises. I give them sampling and I say, which ones do you like the best? Which one can you fit into the space that you do your gaming? So you're in your space and it only takes you away for five minutes. So we try to kind of picture where they're going to be and how they can make it fit. But for sure, I mean, the you mentioned carpal tunnel earlier in, in your intro, and I don't really see that in kids because it tends to be more that it's from the neck radiating down into both hands versus coming just from the wrist, which is how you get the carpal tunnel syndrome. Okay. So usually I'm getting, if I get a kid who comes in and says one hand is falling asleep, it's usually coming from the neck and I don't even have to look at the hands and wrists. Usually their hands are very strong because they've been using them so much. But do you see a lot of trigger fingers? <laughs> I don't. Not I haven't really? seen any in kids. I've only seen them in adults before I switched over to kids. Yeah, it's interesting because I had never had them until recently and, and had a whole series of injections to get rid of which which worked. But I hear the gamers are complaining about, you know, frozen fingers and, and, and triggers and, and what have you. Sure. Um, I may not have had the high elite level of gamer yet to have seen somebody who's playing quite so much, but for sure I'm seeing kids who are gaming for three or four hours a day without stop. And that's on top of school. And I mean, we're coming out of summertime where I think some of them were trying to get outside, especially in Seattle where we only have like, you know, <laughs> 70 days of sunshine. Like yeah. the sun comes out, even the gamer kids want to see it a little bit and maybe go swimming. <laughs> Just for a minute. Uh, do you see the professional athletes gaming? like? as a form of recreation in the hotel and after practice on the planes? There's definitely been talk about gaming amongst the professional athletes. I, I tend to think it's more of the sport related games. You know, we've seen, uh, I just saw on Instagram the other day, LeBron Jr.'s son was playing NBA 2K and, you know, they were making a big deal about him. You know, I'm sure he's looking towards college level too. So I think that's part of it. But we've talked about different different games. I don't I don't tend to see as many women or teenage girls gaming as much as I see in the boys. I did actually look before this talk because the American Physical Therapy Association has just added in a section for esports really? for physical therapy practice to you know start learning more about this particular niche area. And so I was looking. I didn't see a lot of statistics for the younger ages between female and male but yeah I think competitors are competitors and you know I think you're going to find that competitive people are going to try to win in whatever avenue they're put into so no by nature I'm not a super competitive person I'm not usually trying to be anyone next to me but I think that if I was put into a video game I'd still want to win if I was put into a sporting event I'd still want to win and I think that we see that from the athletes. Well, yeah, I think, listen, yeah. the bulk of the population watching Twitch are people that are watching uh, to learn to get better to beat their friends. You know, it, it's not, and and there's some true challenges in esports right now as a business. It's a horrific business model from the team esports perspective. Um, 
and there's lots of scale in terms of eyeballs and viewership, but it just may well be people want to game with their friends, and, and when they're watching other things, they're just learning so that they can beat their friends. And that's where a lot of those hours come from. But I wonder how much, and I don't know if you have both see this, is how much psychological changes you have seen, if any, from, from gamers once they get frustrated that they didn't win so they can't control their temper and behave you know, consistent with that or are sleep deprived. And you hear more and more about the value of sleep and the, the, the psychology impact that you see. I just think we're seeing a huge spike in psychological challenges across the board, whether or not it's connected to gaming. The anxiety is through the, through the roof, skyrocketing high, depression skyrocketing. There's no access to mental health in the community right now for kids specifically. So I haven't been able to tie it to games, to gaming because it's just happening for so many people. It's happening to healthcare workers who have been fatigued by our experience in the workplace. Like, I think more of my coworkers have actually started gaming because we need to put ourselves into a different world when we leave our workspace that's been just the masking is still there and personal perspective going in. It should be, but like it's not outside of our workspace. So there's a huge disconnect right now between what's going on in healthcare facilities and what's going on in the real world and in schools. So I just think mental health is a huge, important piece of this. And I, I think that Unfortunately, kids have really suffered through the last two years. Yes, without and, a doubt. There were worlds. Yeah, and, so and I don't think gaming on... has made it worse or better, though. In some cases, I prob- it probably has helped. I honestly think that remote schooling has been a huge plus for some families and kids who have learned that they're much better able to focus on schooling in small chunks and not surrounded by a bunch of other kids. And we're seeing more people choosing schooling at home. And some of those kids, I think, are also gamers who like to be on the computer, don't particularly like the in-person, mm-hmm. but for sure, not all gamers are introverts or even you no know, question. less, right? So I think that it's just one new option that we're seeing that's probably really good for some people and really not great for others. So you feel the same, I mean, do you see the same rise in depression and anxiety um, kind of on a global perspective yes oh yeah yeah and and the the thing that i think is very interesting having as abby really sort of my worked in sports my entire career is that in youth sports kids who participate in youth sports um and this is i am not a psychologist or a specialist in this area it's the reports and things that you see, observe, hear from parents and children that participation in sport, any kind of sport, either unmasked or made perfectly obvious problems that they had with impulse control, that, that maybe it wasn't quite observed well enough by anybody who really understood what they were seeing in school, and the kid starts participating in sport and it becomes really obvious very quickly because okay. because it's it, it's you're in close proximity there's a lot of of as you said the competitive nature the desire to win when you don't 
when things don't go quite right, you don't perform, perform to your own expectations, can you manage yourself under those situations? Or, or the game is physical, and can you manage that and not go beyond what is part of the game? And then, and so they made, you know, my reports from parents have been, my kid benefited from being in sports because they, they had, there were more learning situations than they would have been in otherwise. They got into treatment faster than perhaps they would have otherwise at a younger age, you know, all that kind of stuff. I, I don't know how esports may or may not be different than that but but today certainly i just think i mean you can't pick up a newspaper or listen to the news and not hear you know what's happening in the world and it was happening pre-covid i mean the the site counseling services at universities and colleges nationwide were already beyond peak capacity before covid um, well and, is some of that you know, there seems to be more of an acceptance to talk about it, right? There are more athletes and musicians, like Justin Bieber is the latest that I can think of, mm-hmm. who said, I'm canceling the rest of my tour for mental health reasons. And it it used to be a secret. And there are several football players in the last year, year and a half, that have chosen to leave the sport for whatever their mental health reason is and and I wonder is is that and hopefully that's uh, a reason that people are coming forth and you're seeing it because there's less shame in saying I am experiencing this because going back five years I don't I can't recall anyone raising their hand and saying I'm opting out of a multi-gazillion dollar sports contractor or, or, or concert tour because mentally not at a place to do it. So, and I think in a way, women have been leading the way because- But of course. Um, <laughs> as, we, as, we, right, as we talked about, women had to really start having a voice. And so we have, you know, um, Alice, was it Allison Felix who left Nike for, was it Allison Felix? I can't remember right now. One of the the U.S. Team USA runners, female runners, who was pregnant, and Nike said, "Well, you know, we're not going to honor your contract." And she said, "Well, screw you, and I'm going to go." You know, I'm still I'm still every bit of who I was, and and more. <laughs> and so, I think that the that starting with speaking out as a female athlete. And then the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And, and, and I think you're right. These very elite athletes, Michael Phelps has really led the way with his struggles, his mental health struggles. And that was actually, you know, certainly on, in the inner circle, well known what was going on with him. Yet, oh, that's interesting. Um, so obviously not being in that circle, you would just think, you know, life looks perfect for, you know, somebody of his stature so yeah, and and what the olympic what the usa you know the olympic committee has now done part of the anxiety was who am i when my when i'm done with my sport i'm nobody and i have no skills everybody that i know 
has gone on to a career. They have a family, you know, they, they have all these outlets and all these things that they do. And all I know how to do is swim. And so what happens when swimming is over? I, I, I have no identity. I'm nobody. And the, you know, you would assume that the U S Olympic committee over, you know, what, 80 years, however long they've been around has, has dealt, they, they work with youth athletes. Like how did they not know that part of their, their structure should be to launch the athlete beyond the Olympics, right? Beyond their athletic career. But no organized sport, the, N- the NFL has d- right. up until recently and by litigation have started to support retired players. And they at least have been paying their players, right? I mean, these, (laughs) these, these, these athletes, you know, were amateur, right? Up until, up until very recently. Right. Right. Which is, which is crazy. So, I mean, Abby, do you see that, that parents are more inclined? I, I see it in my own social world that parents are more inclined to admit that a child is struggling or has addiction issues than ever before. And yes, but I think a lot of parents are still in a lot of denial. And also I think more often the providers see it because we're seeing it so much more and we start these conversations. So one of the interesting things Dr. Kleiner was mentioning was just about how athletes with the mental health piece in sport, it's being brought up more, but the other thing for, athletes and i think this is an area that esports is going to need to consider is you can't participate in high school sports if you don't have a physical from your doctor so there are kids who have never had a physical exam because they don't play sports so if esports kids never have to go have a physical it becomes wait until they're in too much pain or until the medical situation may be too severe before an exam even happens. And I think for sure, if esports is going to have success, they need to have some amount of medical, how do we make sure we're, you know, helping support our competitors? I mean, like, oh, I wholly agree with you. Psychological screening for them as well, because are they, is this the outlet? Is this a, is this a healthy outlet? Because I do think gaming could be a healthy outlet or is this dangerous? Without a doubt. I, I think research has shown that, that gaming is as healthy as anything else within balance. Sure. Right? I mean, it, it's really about balance on almost everything. Um, yeah, I listen, all kids should have an exam. I'm not so sure in, in the direction this country is going that there's not going to be a group of people saying, no, you can't tell me to get an exam, right? I have the right. right not to get an exam, right? And fight over like what parking spot I can go into get the exam because, you know, that that just seems to be uh, what's going on. And I just wonder how much of the depression or anxiety that you see is just the, the onslaught of media, not in the sports world, just society and the acrimony between everybody it, it just seems you know i get tired of it as an adult and somewhat of a news junkie you know i i don't want to see this it's it is depressing and and if you can't compartmentalize it to just what that is it'd be very easy to have it leak into um 
the rest of your life, which is um, then unfortunate. And, you know, the one thing you did say, and I feel bad for the lost COVID generation, especially the high school kids that didn't get their graduation and didn't get their prom and didn't get their senior ditch day. And, you know, I have to go back two years later to walk, you know, and the colleges are bringing kids back and doing two and three year graduation. It's not the same, you know, they're, and, and it's, it, it, it'll be interesting to see one, that impact and two, how professionals such as the two of you can intervene early enough so that it doesn't become chronic. Yesterday, we had a really interesting in-service at Seattle Children's that was a provider, Dr. Cora Bruner. She's brilliant. She was talking about gender issues related to physical therapy as well as eating disorder issues related to physical therapy because it was a, for the physical therapy team. And one of the points that came up is that there's been some research showing that just seeing yourself on a screen over and over again, like we're on this Zoom call and I can see you, but I can see myself. Right. means that all of these people who are were not used to seeing themselves are now facing what does my body look like what does my body feel like and i don't know how many different games an esports competitor would see themselves in i would imagine some you do and some you don't mm-hmm. right right so i wonder if we're going to see any piece of that coming out as well because treating teenagers in physical therapy when they also have eating disorders is so interesting and I wonder where that is going to intersect in gaming. Yeah, I mean, gaming is at its early stages. I mean, I think it's unfortunate for gaming that it has generated so much media because it has created an expectation of it being something that it is not quite ready to fulfill the shoes. And, you know, you... you, you the numbers that, that they say that the audience is bigger than the the NBA, the NFL, and the NHL combined, you go, no, it's not. I mean, it just isn't. I likened it earlier today to the car industry. You know, there are millions upon millions of millions of cars out there, but I would never own a GMC terrain dealership if that's the only model I could sell. Yes, you're not going to sell that many. It's not a viable business. But the automobile business as a whole probably is. And gaming is so siloed by game and community without a crossover. And until there's a crossover and there's a true consistency, you know, you go to any basketball game, uh, woman, men, or otherwise, it's four quarters, five people, everything's the same. Fouls, are the, everything's the same. Same thing in, in, in American football and baseball. Esports now, 8,000 games that are played on a competitive and no crossover between them. If you look at each one of them, other than maybe Call of Duty, if you go down a uh, sim racing and chess, because chess is now, interestingly enough, an esport. Um, not quite sure how that happens, but um, it, it, those numbers are minuscule. There's a community, and it's a great engaged community, but it's not part of any valuable business monetization entity. And, and I think esports has to dial itself back and figure out what it is. And just because people game, um, and I don't know if I said this to Sue in our last call, 
there, there's a great phrase that a friend of mine said, and I, I wish I could steal it, but I always give him credit for it, is that it's easy to find a gap in the market. It's incredibly hard to find the market in the gap. And, and, and it, you can look at a lot of different industries that way, but eSports has been this gap in the market. Not so sure there's a market in that gap. And I think that's what everybody's struggling with at this point. You know, there are a lot of ideas that are great at a kitchen table that don't translate into the real world. And um, I love this comment. In, in the spirit of time, I'm not going to usurp your entire Seattle afternoon. Or, yes, still, eh, now it's afternoon. Just um, hitting it, yeah. <laughs> I just squeaked over lunchtime for you. Thank you so much, Abby. A pleasure to meet you. We'll do this again. So you just may be the first third-time guest <laughs> in the future. It's always good to see you and talk to you. I love your insight. And as things grow, because everything keeps changing, your perspective, both of your perspectives from certainly the kids and as they age is important for our community to, to learn and hear and, and hopefully act upon. So thank you so much. We'll be in touch. Yeah, thanks Enjoy for Enjoy your us. day. Thanks, go go enjoy the sunshine today while pleasure. you have it. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the MAP Esports Podcast Network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Please be sure to leave us a review and follow us on your favorite podcast player.